My life is largely defined as BB and AB, before burnout and after burnout. Burnout was a turning point in my life. It caused me to quit my job, change the directory of my career, and served as a catalyst for this show and sharing of my story with you. Welcome to The PA Is In, the show created by PAs for PAs, where codependency with your supervising physician is a thing of the past, optimal team practice is the future, and physician associate has taken the place of physician assistant as the professional title of choice. I'm Tracy Bingaman, and I'm obsessed with redefining what success as a PA looks like and what it feels like. Here you'll find the mindset shifts, systems, and processes I use to escape healthcare burnout and integrate my work into my life. Work-life balance is a myth, and an integrated life where you thrive professionally, not a balancing act, is the goal here. My mission is to help you to grow into a unicorn PA who loves their job, has abundant energy, time to spare, and work-optional financial freedom. The PA is in. I've never done this before, but I'm going to share something intimate, literally about my intimates on the podcast. After trying Vibrant Body Company's certified clean first layer bras and underwear, I threw everything else away. Life is too short to wear bras that don't fit. So schedule your virtual fit consultation with their master bra designer, Heidi. You get to zoom, do live measurements, and find the exact right fit for you before ordering. Use the link in the show notes or the discount code TRACY15 for 15% off your Vibrant Body Company order. Make sure you try the thong and the semi-demi everywhere bra. You'll thank me later. Have you ever felt so emotionally, mentally, and downright physically exhausted that you just couldn't keep going? This state, caused by prolonged or excessive stress that overwhelms your ability to cope, it's called burnout. In 2020, in the midst of working inpatient urology during the COVID-19 pandemic, I hit absolute rock bottom, both personally and professionally. I wasn't the mom, wife, PA, or human being that I wanted to be. I was embarrassed at the way that I was showing up in the world, and I was a shell of the former Tracy, and I simply couldn't keep going like that. During that season, I was mentally physically and spiritually exhausted. I was also profoundly sick. I was dealing with tachycardia, insomnia, my one and only bout with pneumonia, autoimmune hyperthyroidism, and more. I felt anxious, depressed, shaky, and exhausted. I was never able to get enough sleep, waking up at two or three in the morning and just my mind started racing and I was up for the night. In summary, I was burned out. Burnt to a crisp, really. My life is largely defined as BB and AB, before burnout and after burnout. Burnout was a turning point in my life. It caused me to quit my job, change the directory of my career, and served as a catalyst for this show and sharing of my story with you. At that time, I was desperate for resources on burnout, specifically for PAs like me. I went in search of resources for people juggling ICU patients, clamping renal arteries for partial nephrectomies, and triaging t- t- testicular torsion. 
and also coordinating ballet classes, soccer practice, and daycare drop-off for my five kids. So I started searching the internet, and Google failed me for the first time ever. There was this profound lack of resources for burned-out PAs like me, so I created them. I spent the last two and a half years building the resources and the support I wished I had found when I was in the depths of my journey with burnout. Here's what you can expect to hear on this episode, which I am calling Burnout 101. I'll share the triad of burnout symptoms because in medicine, we love a good triad. Some important stats about the prevalence of burnout in healthcare for us and for some of our physician colleagues. I'll review the effects of burnout on the individual and the healthcare system at large. And as if burnout were a disease, we'll review the pathophysiology and I'll share the cure. Kidding. (laughs) I don't think it's that simple, but we will focus on what you can do as an individual to recover from or prevent burnout, specifically building boundaries and creating sustainable self-care practices. First, I want to talk a little bit about what burnout is not. So you can love your job, love your career as a PA, your family, and say, I have a pretty great life. And you can still be experiencing burnout. Burnout is not something that makes you weak. It isn't just a bad day. It isn't a negative reflection on you or an overreaction. It's not depressing, although we will talk about how some of there is some overlap there, and it's also not your fault. So why do we care about burnout anyway? Overall, society should care about burnout because there is increased medical errors, mortality, and staff turnover when staff is burned out. Your future boss cares because clinical outcomes are worse with burned out providers. Your operational productivity goes down when you're burned out. The bottom line is affected and it compromises your ability to provide quality care. Your patients care because their health and safety is on the line. You should care because this is your quality of life we are talking about. So the problem isn't just a personal problem. It's cultural in medicine. It's behavioral that we're doing. It's ingrained in the practice of medicine. Essentially, it's a failure of the system that we work in to create environments that promote well-being within the workforce. The solution is a shared responsibility between you and me and the organization or the healthcare system that we work for. So let's talk about burnout and who doesn't love a good triad. So what is burnout? Dr. Amelia Nagoski defines burnout as three things. One, feeling overwhelmed. Two, being exhausted, and three, still wondering if you are doing enough. Have you ever done that? Have you ever worked all day super hard in clinic, running around, making sure everyone else has a chance to pee, but you don't have time to eat, drink, or pee, and you get in the car, and you're getting ready to go home, and you're still super amped up, and you're wondering, even though you feel overwhelmed by all that you have to do, even though you're exhausted by the thought of doing more, you're still wondering if you're doing enough. Dr. Christina Maslach defines burnout as a psychological syndrome wherein someone has, one, decreased personal accomplishment, two, depersonalization, and three, emotional exhaustion. So this decreased personal accomplishment is when you say, I feel like I'm working so hard and I don't feel like I'm accomplishing anything. 
when you're asking questions like, is what I did today even making a difference at all in the lives of my patients? This depersonalization is this piece where you don't feel as compelled by or as attached to your patients as you once did. And emotional exhaustion is just what it sounds like when you are saying things like, I am so tired and I just can't keep doing this. So the effects of burnout are negative on cognitive processing and your ability to experience the restorative effects of positive emotions. You tend to focus on the negative things happening around you at the expense of noticing the positive things, which also exist, but don't seem as obvious to you if you are burned out. So the effects of burnout are sort of like living this life with the opposite of rose-colored glasses on. You have fewer positive emotions, and the positive emotions that you have don't even make you feel better. So those emotions like hope and joy, you have the emotions less often than if you're not burned out, but they are not restorative. They don't make you feel better or more rested or more able to take on your life. So what is the prevalence of burnout? So 40 to 50% of physicians in the U.S. are burned out. Interestingly, this is rising. So they did a study in 2018 that said 40% of physicians surveyed reported burnout symptoms. And in 2021, three years later, and in the heart of a pandemic, 61% of physicians. So it's a significant increase, 21% increase in three years, which included COVID. 30 to 50% of healthcare workers in the United States report symptoms of burnout. And we have a one and a half to two and a half times higher rate of burnout for physicians as compared to non-medical people, people who work in any industry outside of medicine. And there's a 20 to 60% increased odds of being burned out if you're female as opposed to male. So there's this interesting dynamic where like if you're a lawyer or an accountant or an executive or a business person, non-medical fields, the longer you went to school, if you work in a non-medical field, the more like the less likely you are to be burned out. I'm going to say that again. In a non-medical field, the longer you went to school, the less likely you are to burn out. The opposite is true in medicine. So when you have a higher level degree, like a PA, when you're a physician, when you have a higher level degree in medicine, the more likely you are to burn out. Risk factors for burnout include female sex, younger age, higher student loans, a parent of young children, and also interestingly, having a spouse or partner that is not a healthcare worker who doesn't quite get it. The individual effects of burnout on your life are things like job dissatisfaction, poor sleep, depression, suicide, the intent to leave your job or profession altogether, a compromised immune system, poor quality personal relationships, and a decreased lifespan. Being burned out can make you feel depressed, suicidal, and it can kill you as compared to the lifespan of someone who's not burned out. On this system, when people are burned out, the healthcare system suffers. And this is not about the system, but it's important to note because sometimes these systemic results impact your ability to create change around burnout at your specific organization. Burned out employees have higher turnover, they're less productive, and they contribute to a negative workplace culture. 
When it comes to patience, you don't want a burned out provider. If you go to the drive-thru at Burger King and they say you have two choices, a burned out provider and not burned out provider, choose the not burned out provider. Why? Because when you have a burned out provider, there are more medical errors, more increased hospital admissions, poor patient provider relationships, more infections, and you as a patient are more likely to die if your healthcare provider is burned out. Burnout leads to unhappy providers, costly mistakes, and unhappy or unwell patients who are getting admitted to the hospital who have infections and who are more likely to die than patients who are being treated by a provider who's not burned out. So there's a lot of things that go into whether or not you feel burned out. There's this pathophysiology that goes into burnout that any person is in a situation and these are factors that are going to influence them. Your work culture, the amount of peer support you have, your specific schedule, the growth opportunities you have at work, how involved you are decisions in decisions that directly affect you, and are you given opportunities to cultivate well-being in your life? Now, from an individual standpoint, there are boundaries, which we tend to be very bad at in medicine. Uh, Self-care strategies or the ability to take care of yourself, your own ability to cultivate meaning inside your life, and having supportive relationships. So I sort of jokingly said earlier, like, I'm going to tell you the cure to burnout. So the real ultimate cure to burnout is fixing both the system that's setting us up for moral injury, overwork, overwhelm, and getting burned out, and helping the people in need who have suffered from that existing system. Systemic fixes can help to prevent future burnout, but in all honesty, it's the current providers, it's you and your colleagues living in burnout now that need help. It's not one size fits all. There's no one single intervention that will work to prevent burnout in all healthcare workers. When we look at the cure from an organizational standpoint, there are two things that can be improved. The workload, the amount of work that you are doing, and the workflow how that work is getting accomplished, and how much of that work you are doing. I'm not going to dive into the organizational cures. We're going to focus on what you specifically can impact if you are feeling burned out. Or even if you're listening to this and you're like, man, that sounds terrible. I don't want to be burned out. Here's your strategy. We're going to talk about two things when it comes to burnout and recovering from burnout or avoiding burnout and staying well. That is self-care strategies and boundaries. So self-care strategies, I'm going to talk about a lot of self-care strategies and we're going to move kind of quickly, but I want you to think about choosing three that will work for you and starting to incrementally implement them in your life. Give yourself grace and be patient because you did not get burned out overnight and you're not going to get better overnight. Boundaries. I want to show you how to intentionally create enforceable boundaries that are clear to you and clearly communicated to those in your life, at work, and at home. One of my very favorite things about being a podcaster is crossing paths with other incredible podcasters. If you love this show, especially when I share about my experience with healthcare burnout and recovery, you're gonna wanna check out the podcast, Burnout, What I've Learned So Far, hosted by my friend, Meg Letty. Meg is a former CT surgery PA turned advocate for healthcare provider wellness. 
Turn in to hear how she recovered from burnout and integrated well-being into her life to create a life of dreams, not nightmares. Add burnout, what I have learned so far with Meg Letty to your podcast queue to start your journey to wellness and healing today. Here's where I want you to start if you're feeling burned out. So you're like, okay, I'm ready. Self-care and boundaries. I'm ready. If you're drowning in burnout, now is not the time to learn how to swim. You need a life preserver. You need to ask for some help from people around you, with which we're historically bad at. I want you to start with small steps, bite-sized improvements in mindfulness, moving your body, and getting more sleep. Start with the basics. So what are the basics to make sure that you are getting what you need in this life? I want you to make sure that you're eating, sleeping, and exercising. This does not have to be formal exercise in the form of like an exercise program. I want you to eat in a way that feels good, that feels your body. I want you to sleep enough. That's at least seven hours a night. Parents with young kids, I know, bear with me. And exercise, moving your body in a way that feels good to you. Now I'm going to go through some self-care strategies for you. I want you to jot some of these down. I want you to take anywhere from one to three of these self-care strategies. This episode will be here for you to replay. If you're like, shoot, I can't remember the self-care strategies. Come on back, take a listen. These are self-care, self-care strategies, things that you can do to help take care of yourself as we work in a system that doesn't really care about taking care of us. And unless or until that changes, here's what you could do. You can breathe. In the middle of a busy day, you can stop what you are doing. You can intentionally take some deep breaths. You can do box breathing where you inhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, reset for four seconds, and you do it again. You could take a short meditation break or practice deep breathing exercises when you leave a patient's room or have a hard interaction or have a tough day. The second self-care strategy is to set intention. So as you transition from one activity to another, from one role that you play in life to another, I want you to focus on setting intention. Release tension. And if you Google set intention and release tension meditation, a YouTube video of my friend Brendan Burchard will pop up and he will walk you through how to set intention and release tension. You're going to take deep breaths and you're going to say release release and you're going to release tension. And then as you start the next activity, you're going to set your intention. How do you want to show up? How do you want to serve other people in this new role and this new activity? Setting intention and releasing tension, super effective when you're transitioning. Like when you drop your kids off from daycare, driving to work, get to work, you're going to set your intention for the work day, leaving the operating room, walking into a meeting. Anytime when you're transitioning from one thing to another, opportunity to release tension set intention. Another strategy for self-care is to prioritize yourself as a part of your own schedule. Again, sleeping. Are you getting enough hours of sleep? Eating. What's your plan for what you're going to consume, how you're going to get it? Is it something that's going to fuel you and make you feel good? Exercise. How are you going to move your body each day? When and where and for how long are you going to get that movement that is life-giving even when you feel low energy, and burned out? Are you scheduling time for reading, rest, and downtime? And importantly, time to connect with those you love. 
Next up on the menu for self-care, are you living your life in accordance with your values? Identify your core values, those things that you value most in life. Figure out your priorities during this season and compare your values to what's happening on your calendar, to how you're spending your time, your money, and your energy. Audit your calendar, your bank statement, and your energy bank. Do you feel like you're living in alignment with those values? If not, what adjustments can you make to spend fewer resources on things that don't matter to you and more time and attention on the things that you do value? Next up for self-care, cultivating gratitude. Whatever you do, find a gratitude practice that works for you. You could do this in bullet journal or freeform writing. Personally, I like to write three specific things down that have happened in the past 24 hours that I am uniquely grateful for. This easy to implement process, gratitude in general, has been shown to increase self-reported happiness and can even be used as a tactic to prevent burnout. How are you spending your time and your money? Your time and your money are probably your two most limited resources. It's imperative that you create a system for budgeting your time and also budgeting your money. When we talk about schedule, create white space or space for margin in your life on your calendar. And when it comes to money, I want you to be intentional about creating a plan for debt reduction, wealth building, and cultivating financial freedom in your future. Now, this strategy for self-care includes getting support, connecting and being in community with colleagues who get it, especially if you have a partner who doesn't work in medicine. Join a professional support group and make sure you're getting to the doctor or to see your PA or nurse practitioner for your own preventative medicine. This next one is super easy. So just find the meaning of life (laughs) as a self-care strategy. So volunteer, learn how to do something new, get a hobby that is just for fun. Um, Dive into your unicorn space. If you haven't read the book Unicorn Space by Eve Rodsky, so, so good as you're cultivating meaning in your life, specifically outside of medicine. And adopt a mindfulness practice. Last but certainly not least, the last self-care strategy I'm going to talk about today is having fun. Whether it's on your calendar, leaving time for fun in the white space and the margins, things like spontaneous dance parties, getting outside in the sunshine, doing karaoke, traveling, taking your paid time off. Create a strategy for taking your paid time off. If you can't roll it over, spread it out throughout the year. Make sure that you're taking it. Look at the calendar and when you want to be off and be very proactive about taking that paid time off. Paid time off is your job saying please don't come in. I would like to pay you for the day, but I don't want you to work. If you're not using PTO, you're saying, no, thanks. I'm good. I'll come in. You're going to pay me for today. Either way, I'd rather work than be off. Okay. We're going to change gears a little bit and talk about boundaries. So what the heck is a boundary anyway? A boundary is a line that marks the limits to an area. So I want you to evaluate your boundaries with your current work schedule as a PA. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. I want you to think about whether these are true for you or not. Are you taking work home regularly? Are you worrying about work at home or about home while you're at work? 
Are you staying long after your scheduled patients and tasks are complete to chart? Or are you charting at home? Is work keeping you up at night or waking you up at night? Those might be symptoms of poor boundaries, of overworking, of you doing too much at work. So boundaries. I want you to work on creating boundaries with your schedule, with when and how often you check email, and when you're available to the office or hospital for them to call you. Start doing things like requesting changes to your schedule or adjustments so that you have enough time to chart and you can get through patients and get home without having to chart at home. Can you carve out dedicated admin time or get admin time built into your calendar? Boundaries are only as effective as your ability to communicate them to the people around you. So having an imaginary boundary is like well and good, but it doesn't actually work. So you first have to draw that line in the sand and then you have to tell everyone else, this is when I'm available. This is when I will check email. This is how many patients I'm willing to see in a day. This is how many people I can safely chart on. This is the type of patient. This is the... All of these things are you communicating to the world around you and saying, hey, this is how I want to be treated and this is how you can expect me to respond or not respond, be available or not be available based on that boundary. Of course, this is burnout 101. Maybe we'll have a burnout 201 or 301. I forget exactly how classes like this are numbered. Burnout is so serious. It changed my life. It made me sick in a way that I am still dealing with. And I'm still dealing with the fallout of how it affected my relationships and my career. If I could go back, I think I would burn out all over again because it gave me the passion and the fire to create this show and to show up for you in this way. But if I could go back and tell my younger self anything, it would be that my needs are valid and that I am worthy of self-care and of meeting my own basic needs, of having boundaries with work, and that I get to build them and that no one else is going to do it for me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The PA Is In. I hope that this served you in some way. I will see you next time. Congratulations, you've just joined an awesome club. By listening to a full episode of The PA Is In, you are officially on the Unicorn PA team. Welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episode of the show. The life of your dreams exists on the other side of taking action. Keep making small shifts and keep getting better. Your life will improve, your career will soar, and you will have the confidence you need to create your own success. I will see you in the next episode. This PA is out.